Welcome to Seeds, a show where we talk about purpose with inspiring people making a positive impact with their lives. We're particularly interested in social enterprises and entrepreneurs. We will listen to them reflect on their journeys and take time to dig deeper in order to better understand what really motivates their choices. Welcome to the show, everyone. I'm really glad you could join me today because we get to speak with Dr. Jared Gilbert, and we cover a wide variety of topics, but especially focus on the criminal justice system in New Zealand and his particular specialty, which is gangs. Here's an excerpt from the interview. Because I, because I had absolutely nothing to do with gangs, so yeah. um, and, and, and I don't think anyone believed I would get the access that I did, and I read back on the um, ethics application that I submitted, and it said that I was going to do formal interviews at the university, which was, I don't know, if I, which was just utter nonsense. Um, and the <laughs> next thing you know, you're up in you know, Pariru, surrounded by mongrel mob members, getting drunk for three days. It's like, well, you know, this is... Or, or you're down in Timur with a knife to your throat, or you're getting, you know, knocked over, having a fight with bloody Russian sailors and, and little <laughs> Now, in next week's episode, we're going to go in a different direction, talking to one of the co-founders of a social enterprise in Auckland called Crave Cafe. Nigel Cottle will join us, and he's a manager and co-owner of that venture. As always, thanks again to everybody who's telling your friends and sharing this on social media. It's really appreciated, and it's definitely helping the word to get out. At the time I'm recording this, it's about to hit 7,000 listens. More stories are getting out, and my desire is that they would be like seeds and inspire other people who are listening to try something they maybe wouldn't have done otherwise. Now let's get into the interview with Jared. So it's my pleasure to welcome Dr. Jared Gilbert to the podcast today. Thank you for joining me today. Absolute pleasure, Stephen. On this show, what we do is talk a lot about purpose and why people do what they do, and also just getting a range of voices, people who are involved in many, many different things. Sure. And so what I'm really interested to talk with you about is the criminal justice system in New Zealand. Yeah. Um, but before we get into that, I'd love to find out a bit more about your background. And so maybe we can go back right to the beginning. Where are you from? Uh, well, I grew up in Auckland, um, which is a proud Cantabrian now. Um, I have to sometimes whisper because there's a bit of parochial antagonism between Canterbury and Auckland um, traditionally. Um, and, a, and a boring, um, a happily boring childhood. Right. Um, uh, middle class, I guess you'd say. Um, um, two parents, uh, you know, went to school. Yeah. Um, so what sort of child were you? Like, oh, I, I was probably a bit of a handful, in fairness. Um, yeah. I think if you ask my mother, she would she would say that. But, um, but, a, but a, you know, pro- probably a bit... Um, loud and I talked back a bit maybe you know a bit questioning which makes all the more sense with the job I do now but at the mm-hmm. time teachers weren't as fond of it uh-huh. <laughs> as you know they now pay me for it um, right but but they weren't so keen early on um yeah so I think questioning I was, I was a questioning child I didn't take too much for granted in fact I remember um an odd story really in fact one I, I don't really think I've ever told um when I was in form one whatever that is now um but, you know, fairly young. Yeah. And we had, a, of all things, a Bible studies teacher um, on for an hour a week or whatever at the primary school. Yeah. Um, and um, there was a naughtier class, and so they were going to take our teacher and put him in the, in the naughtier class. And I, was, I thought this was an outrage because we had a really good teacher and I quite liked him. So, right. I, so I, I wrote a petition at that time to petition okay. to keep my primary school uh, primary school um, uh, Bible studies teacher. Um, yeah, the first hint that... Um, uh, you know, wasn't that little bit of politics there, or whatever. You know, I mean, well, you yeah. know, just uh, they're just you know a sense of justice. Why, why are we losing him to someone else? I, I right. wasn't sure. Um, <laughs> yeah. Anyway, but it was a but, but it was a, yeah, a a pretty pretty normal. Um, I'd have to say probably pretty boring. Um, which is 
these days quite good. I think with a lot of the criminal work I do, mm. I tend to hang out with young people that haven't had it so good. You know, when when your life isn't boring, um, sometimes it's interesting in ways that um, aren't aren't good ways. You know, right. Um, and so I think you know a lot of the the, the crime issues that I deal with. St- stem from problems within families or within communities of young people so um, boring isn't necessarily a bad thing you know? right yeah and I guess at the time um, you know it, it, it's probably changed a lot as well hasn't it in terms of technology and things that are accessible for kids these days yeah definitely um, yeah I think that's yeah I think that's absolutely true um, and I think that those changes are particularly the growth in suburbs and growth in cities um, you know you know that the gangs are a big area of interest of mine mm-hmm. um, and that came out of growth in in suburbs growth in cities you know right. it's an urban urban phenomenon yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and hence why Maori um, oftentimes like came unstuck within those environments because there was this transition between those, those urban uh, rural environments and, and mm. the differences within within the urban um, uh, but yeah it's a, uh, yeah yeah so what sort of subjects did you enjoy in high school for example English. I was. Uh, I, I, I. I figured myself from quite a young age. I mean, I always. I was always quite good at speech competitions, writing speeches and things. So when I, they came mm-hmm. up at school, mm-hmm. um, and writing, yeah. I, so I've. I always sort of figured myself that I wanted to write. Mm. Um, I guess early on, I always thought it would be fiction, but um, I was a failed fiction writer, and I don't think I had the um, discipline. If I'm perfectly honest, so I, I had to turn to. Um, turn to non-fiction right but um, did you give it a go the fiction side of things um, well yeah I would always I always carried notebooks as a as a young lad um, right up until I was uh, until I gave, gave sort of gave that idea away really but I, I always take notes about things and even and if and if you think about a sociologist it's it's about taking notes of the world really so yeah. in some ways it was early training uh, to look at things and to record things um to observe and, and be curious yeah, about yeah, what you're seeing. Yeah, right? that's right. Yeah, yeah that's right. And, mm. and 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 to somehow make sense of it, to think, well, what is going on here? Well, what's the? Mm. Yeah, um, yeah. So so in some ways that wasn't that was probably um, an early training. But but writing and English was always were always my best best subjects at mm. school. Mm. And in fact, well, I, in fact, I came to university to study English, but um, ended up I ended, uh, English and philosophy, mm. and then I ended up majoring in sociology and political science. I just Right. I mean, and this is the great thing about university, I think, isn't it, that you discover things that mm. you didn't necessarily know yeah. before. So it's, it's, it's a, you know, it's intellectually a brand new world. Um, and I always caution kids not to come in with too fixed of a view because mm. there's so much more that they, that they don't even know they don't know. Yet, you know. Yeah. I remember my first year here at Canterbury, I think I studied biology, sociology, history, law, like it was a real mix. Yeah, and, but that's what I, it, it is, yeah, because I had no idea, actually, that my legal career would, you know, that that would be the path. But yeah. at the time, it was like, well, so I used to go from like biology classes studying fish or whatever, and then hearing about the legal system, you know, yeah, quite yeah. a variety. Well, well, but look, that was good. I mean, it, it, you're at quite a young age, particularly now mm. that the age we're at. Yeah. When you look back, you're making some really significant life decisions at yeah. that point. Uh, and so you want to keep your options open at least as much as you can. I mean, you're still finding yourself, you know, let alone yeah. finding what you're really good at. So Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So we're here, we're actually doing this recording at the University of Canterbury because you're here. Is this where you came to study as well or were you yeah, that, started well, in is, Auckland? Well, I, actually, I initially went into um, advertising actually and I got a scholarship. Um, uh, I did some training in advertising and got a scholarship into an advertising agency under a guy named Peter Grace. Um, and I've always remembered the name because I got offered a job at the New Zealand Herald 
as a gopher in advertising. As a, mm. And he said, and I remember it so clearly, he said to me, don't, um, don't take the job, Jared, it'll kill your creativity. And I said, well, I'm thinking really? about going down to Christchurch to write a book, write a novel. And he said, well, I'm not sure I'm happy about that either because you'll become an alcoholic. A brilliant <laughs> alcoholic, you'll become an alcoholic. He right. said, join the university if you go down to, uni- to, go down to Canterbury. And, and, and that's what I did. Huh. And, it, and it turned out to be the... You know, that one man, wow. I think, gave me the best, adv- probably the most important advice of my life. And I, and actually, a, 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 a ex-girlfriend of mine actually tracked him down about five years ago. So and I went down and saw Peter Grace. This, uh, he's now living in Dunedin. Um, huh. and so it was nice to meet this guy who, who this, this sort of a couple of sentences pretty yeah. much sort of, if not changed my life, it certainly sent it on a, on, on a path that is what it became. Yeah, know? isn't that interesting how a moment in time yeah. that somebody speaking into your life at a critical moment could have such an impact? Such a very specific one that I recall so well, yeah. Um, yeah. And, and of course that works so um, so horribly in reverse as well, um, where some bad decisions or some bad people can get in an ear um, and it can send you down a completely another mm. track. And I, mm. I, I think about gang membership or, or I think about mm. some crimes that I've I've studied where people have just made terrible decisions in an instant yeah um they may not even be decisions that necessarily reflect who they are they're just a decision a bad decision or a bad circumstance or something that and suddenly you know life changes altogether so yeah yeah, it can can swing one way or the other there's a there's sort of a it seems to me to be a you know a heavy influence of luck or whatever you might want to call it you know in life that um yeah you couldn't you you, you couldn't have predicted it could you in a way like that conversation that day then altered everything that's come yeah yeah mm. yeah and, and 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 in the very best um and the very best possible ways yeah oh that's really good and um when you tracked him down did he uh, i'm guessing he would never remembered that conversation um, did, did he have a memory like, no he, no he didn't yeah. um no he didn't obviously he, obviously he, he remembered who i who i was because we, we worked together a bit or he mentored me yeah um but he didn't remember that specific conversation and but that's interesting in itself um that it wasn't a big deal for him. It had no impact yeah. on his life whatsoever, and so unmemorable that he that that it, that it had slipped his mind probably minutes after he'd said it. Right. Well, again, isn't that sort of fascinating in yeah. itself that it was something that was so big for me? And 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 maybe it maybe it says and maybe we read too much into these things, but maybe it says you know we ought be mindful of how we communicate with what we do. If, if you can say kindness. Give some kindness. Don't mm. don't you, you know because because yeah. certain things can have big influ- you know big impacts. Yeah, I think. and, I, and think I think you know with social media, I don't know how much you use social media, yeah, Stephen. Not I, quite a lot. <laughs> yeah. Well, certainly Twitter. I've I've I've, I've sadly become um, quite re- re- you know reasonably. Oh, I use it quite a lot. Um, and the nastiness and, and things on there that can yeah. sort of occur. I, I think you know there's not enough kindness in the world. You know, I don't think we need to start throwing more around throwing you know, more for, barbs for, of, for, for fun yeah. you know and which it does seem to be almost a sport you know yeah no i i agree with you and i think the the amazing thing is to think about somebody who's 17 or 18 who's at that critical point like all of us in our lives would have people like that whether they're nephews nieces or children or whatever yeah. you know that the role that somebody who's a bit older or seen a bit more of the world can actually play and i guess thinking about it like here you've told me what your plan is have you thought of this? Have you considered this? You know, like yeah. that advice to you. Yeah. Go to university. Well, I think um, young people are so vulnerable, aren't they? It's, I mean, it's such an awkward period in mm. your life, particularly those teenage years. And if you think about our stats around um, youth suicide, you know, a lot of young yeah. men particularly suffer so badly. I mean, I've, and I've, for whatever reason, I've never abided by bullying. When I, was a, when I was a kid, I used to 
I used to bully the bullies or, or, or intervene in bullying situations. It was one of those things, for whatever reason, it's always bugged me. And I, yeah. to this day, I, nothing makes me more infinitely sad than thoughts that kids are a bit, you know, I don't know, a kid being sad for some reason is, is mm. the end of the world. I, I, I don't yeah. know. And, I, and, and it can be quite minor things because, I mean, I've existed or I've investigated families that have been terribly poor. Mm. Um, and, t- and 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 incredibly happy, you know. Mm. So it's not mm. it's not necessary about that. But the worst ones I've seen have have tended to be in poorer communities where yeah. kids just have so little, yeah. you know. And I and I think of what I ha- have had and what I have now. Just I, I, yeah, mm. it, it, you know, it, it genuinely it breaks my heart to a degree. I, yeah. for, for for whatever reason, I, I'm, I'm very soft around that and and animals. Yeah, <laughs> those are good things though. Um, I interviewed someone else. This is where I love the podcast because I get a variety of people and then find that there's these thoughts that align. So literally last week I interviewed Amy Marsden, who's a co-founder of Te Mapua, which is a, a basically a trust that helps young people right. from difficult backgrounds and takes them away like on a camp or cool. makes sure they get food in the morning before they go to school, that type of thing. And one of the things she was talking about is when you get people out of their circumstance into a camp setting, you're then able to feed in positive messages to them, which maybe they never had anybody say, you are special, you are important, you are valued. And so to be able to actually see their faces changing from what was to to being called into a new reality, really, by the words of someone encouraging them. I think think when you're in the middle class, we we all tend to... Um, group in our socioeconomic group, you know, on a natural socioeconomic grouping. So mm. we, we don't have too many friends that span very rich or very poor. Yeah. We tend to exist in the ones that w- wherever we sit. Um, and so it's really easy to, or it's forgivable that people don't understand what happens if, if you're not from um, mm. certain lower socioeconomic groups. I, mm. You know, I go into the prisons and I do a lot of work in the prisons and right. I meet people in there and I think the prevailing view is that the prisons are full of these terribly bad people, and mm. don't get me wrong, there is a fair chunk of that. Mm. But the vast majority of the people you meet in prison aren't bad necessarily. They're quite sad individuals, mm. or, they're, or, they're, or they're mad, or they're, they're uh, you know, I think if you have a, any degree of empathy in your body, you will yeah. find it for these people. And, yeah. and you see it in small things like, if they um, graduate from a program and they get given a certificate, and you see these men mm. beaming, because they've never in their life been given a certificate. They've right. never, ever had that. Well, imagine a world of that. You know, yeah. I mean, for someone like us, you know, it's just n- it's so not a part of our um, history and, 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 and the way we've, we understand life. Yeah. Um, that I think when you just take a, take a deeper look into um, communities that you don't understand, you find incredibly surprising things. Mm. Um, and I think that's part of the problem with the criminal justice realm that we tend to have an idea of what an offender is like. Um, and then we punish that one, that, that idea. Right. Whereas in reality, the nuance is, mm. uh, the, the shades of grey are so um, so significant yeah. that, um, that we miss a trick. You know, we, we, we don't really understand it particularly well. And, and I think the media probably has a, a significant role to play in that too. Mm. Because people in their minds have a picture of the person that you've been visiting in prison and it's definitely not the same as the person that you That's saw right. in prison, yeah, that, right? Yeah, there yeah. are there are there are calculating bad individual, nasty. Yeah. Um, and it's and, and sure, those people exist, there's no without question. But the vast majority are very very different to mm. that. And 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 the one thing that gets me, the one thing that I think um, intellectually, I find it very very difficult to hurdle, is that if 
before the, the, the big crime that sent them to prison, mm. if you sat down with, if anyone sat down with them and heard about, this is a, just a, a generalisation, but if, if you sat down and, and, and heard about their growing up and what they've been through in life, you right. would actually empathise with them as a victim. As soon as the crime is committed, they're a perpetrator, and then all empathy, all of that idea of what mm. we might look at what caused the offending just disappears and it's just about punishment. Yeah. Um, we don't get to the bottom of the problems if yeah. we think like that. And, 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 and the, the fact of the matter is that's how we tend to think about them. It's, yeah. I mean, I'm not sure. It's not having true. a, it's not a very holistic view of the person, is it? It's, well, a, it's an, this one thing happened and here's the consequence. Yeah, and, yeah. and I, think, I think you can be, I think it's very easy to be, that suddenly it starts to sound all a little bit too liberal or a little bit too um, soft on crime, this sort of approach. Mm. And, so, and so you've got to be really careful here because it, it's not about excusing behaviour. It's about understanding it in sophisticated ways. If we want to reduce the victims of crime, we have to understand what we're dealing with and to ignore those issues mm. um, is just is, is completely foolhardy. Yeah. Um, uh, but, but again, you know, we do tend to. You know. Yeah. No, that's right. Well, this is fascinating, but I want to get back to your life <laughs> and what you ended up studying at university. You said you studied a variety of things at the beginning, and I think we're going to continue to weave in sort of these other topics. Mm. But um, when you came, um, you ended up studying sociology and political political his, science. Political yeah. science. Well, I, yeah. I started on English because English was always what I did at school, yeah. and philosophy because I, I read philosophy. Um, I. Um, I discovered um, or was taught um, biological determinism, the idea that um, we don't necessarily have free will. And it was a concept that I found very difficult to argue against. Mm. Um, and so I decided to remove myself from it and jump to sociology. <laughs> I just said, well, like, if I can't, I'll, I'll just have to pretend I've never learned that and we'll go on to sociology. Right. Um, and, but what, was I, but that's that, what was it that you didn't like about that? Well, the idea that, the idea that um, I mean, it's a, it's a, it might be a bit too much to talk about the the, the principles here um, in any detail, but the the, the idea that the, the upshot is that um, we don't have free will, that, right. we are, that we're determined so by the past. Yeah, okay. Um, it's a it's a common um, philosophical um, um, idea, uh, but one I couldn't abide by. I just didn't like. So yeah. um, I ended up um, flicking over to sociology and, and, and forgetting all that and yeah. saying. Um, we certainly have free will, and we'll just we'll, we'll, we'll run with that. Yeah. We'll run with that. But, but and, and there, I found my home. I found, um, yeah, I've, I found. Um, I mean, everything I read in sociology, I tended to, to love. And if I didn't, I loved arguing against it. Yeah. Um, so yeah, does that come sudden, back to that? Does that come back to the you know your origin where you're talking about being a child and observing and writing yeah, things down? Absolutely. Like, it kind question. of a natural yeah, fit, wasn't it? Uh, and this and this is and this is it. I think. Um, you know, too often, I mean, when we talked earlier about mm. people can get on a, a one-track path, my, my father's a lawyer, so I'll, I'll mm. go and be a lawyer. Mm -hmm. um, unless you go out and just test, you, you may never find what your suit best suited for. And yeah. and I was just lucky enough that I did find that. It took me a while. Yeah. Um, you know, I went through advertising and then English and philosophy. And, but, but but when I got there, I just went, ah, this is, yeah, yeah. this is it. And, yeah. and, and suddenly, suddenly not only does everything become easier because yeah. you enjoy it, you don't have to, suddenly you're not working, you're, 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 you know, you, you you love what you're doing, so, yeah. so it becomes so much less of a chore. Yeah, which is which is grand, isn't it? Yeah. Um. Uh, and 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 everything, yeah, and and everything is and you know is everything is enjoyable. Um. The future become you know everything everything becomes easy at yeah. that point. Yeah. I think the problem, or one of the problems, is that in our economic system, it, you're so dependent on making money and getting a job that sometimes people can 
rush into that and and find a career or because they need the money yeah. and and not really have gone through and evaluated who I am who am I as a yeah. person like beyond the exterior and what grades I got what really makes me tick what do I feel passionately about here yeah. And, and it's a shame if you can't find that. It is. It know, is. Well, that's the ultimate. I was listening to another podcast, and they were saying that's the ultimate bad scenario, you know, that somebody who's sitting at a desk pushing paper around and hating it yeah. but feeling like they're trapped there for another 20 years until they can retire. And Yeah, well, life's a bit of a grind, you know, yeah. if you don't find what you love. But, I mean, but, but again, it, it, I mean, this is even a fairly privileged position in itself that mm. if, if you even have an opportunity to do that. Mm. You know, a lot mm. of people just find somewhere where they can get work well that's right and then they yeah. and then they make the most yeah. and so it's how you sort of look at life and perceive life i suppose yeah. so so the things we're talking about are, i guess are part of a fairly pr- you know we're pr- pretty lucky Extremely to even have that privileged. yep no you're right even even have that 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 crack um but mm. if you do have it um it's, it's it's a terrible shame to waste it yeah exactly so you're studying here at university and you come out with a degree sociology and um, political science is yep. that, and then what? Because I think you went on to do some postgraduate study. What was it that was going on in your mind there? What did you know what you wanted to do as a postgrad and that type of thing? Or? When I was, um, I think, in second year, maybe third year um, of my of the degree, mm. um, I was sitting in a lecture theatre just just across the way here. I, I recall this very well um, with Professor Greg Newbold. Many people know the name. Mm. Um, and he said, there's a dearth of research on New Zealand gangs. And I remember thinking, that's odd. Why would there be very little research on gangs? They're a pretty interesting mm-hmm. phenomena, and, 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 and they have seem to have quite an impact on our lives. They didn't mm. have much of an impact on mine, but we see them in the media a lot. Yeah. Uh, and, and just as it happened at that time, there was a, a raft of legislation going through Parliament targeting the gangs. And, mm. and, and, and out of interest, I, I got the, the bill that was being read. And in the introductory note, it said there's no independent research on gangs to verify some of the claims being made here. Mm. It's like, what the hell are we doing? Um, because some of the laws were really quite invasive. There's yeah. bugging laws and so quite intrusive sort of legislation that we were yeah. doing on a guess. And so uh, with a wonderful, um, and as it happens, perfect um, measure of ignorance and arrogance, I said, oh, well, I'll, go and, I'll go and sort that out. I'll do this. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll go. Let's go and Put sort Put your this hand out. up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And... and and so I always had that in mind, so um, that that's where I would go for postgraduate, that I'd go and study the gangs. Right. I, I could never, ever have envisaged where what that it, took me. What that would become. No, no, no. <laughs> I, I, because, I, because I had absolutely nothing to do with gangs. So yeah. I, um, and, and, and I don't think anyone believed I would get the access that I did. And I read back on the um, ethics application that I submitted, and it said that I was going to do formal interviews at the university, which was, I don't know, if I, which was just utter nonsense. Um, and the <laughs> next thing you know, you're up in, you know, Pariru, surrounded by mongrel mob members getting drunk for three days. It's like, well, you know, this is. Or, or you're I'm down right. in Timurik with a knife to your throat, or you're getting, you know, knocked over having a fight with bloody Russian sailors and, and looking. <laughs> I mean, the, the, yeah, it was, a, it was a. So your world expanded quite a bit through this, eh? Well, it, the thing is, I was very privileged because it means now that that I'm one of a very rare, a very rare bunch who has access to the underworld, which mm. is a, a free access to it that you mm. can go in and come out. You know, often you might go in and get stuck down there. But, right. Um, and so that's very, very privileged. But the other thing it did do, equally as importantly, I didn't just study crime um, 
and the underworld and the like. Mm. Um, it introduced me to communities and to families that were completely different to my own. Um, and so that opened my eyes mm. as, as much as anything. So it wasn't just hanging out with the gang members, it was hanging out with the kids and hanging out with their wife mm. or their, their girlfriend or their parents. Uh, um, and and having access to and, and living and staying in communities that I would have driven around or passed or just didn't really know existed. Um, and, and so that opened my eyes as much as the, spe- the specificity of the topic. Right. It was the it was the whole environment that surrounded it. and and in some ways that was quite purposeful and I, and, I, and, and I think I just got on a really lucky guess here because I do remember. Mm. Specifically, in fact, it's written in the proposal. I think we'd find um, that I said that I wanted to study the gangs because they were like a pe- that I figured they were like a petri dish. That of all of the social problems, you know, those um, usual suspects, if you like, of unemployment, of um, uh, intergenerational poverty, of mm. um, poor education, poor health outcomes, overcrowded housing, all of these types of things, you will find them in the gangs. And so, if you can understand the gangs, I thought then I could potentially understand some of those bigger and wider issues. And in some small way, I hope I, you know, I hope I have. Hmm. So, so that research that you were doing, did that end up becoming like a master's paper or something? That or was, a, was no, I wrote a book actually. Um, okay. that, that became, yeah, that, which did very well. Um, yeah. I was very, very lucky. Um, so that, that's patched. It's called the history of gangs in New Zealand, which right. among a couple of awards at one, um, it also has the absolute honor of being the most stolen book in New Zealand, I'm, I'm reliable. <laughs> Unfortunately, there is no award for that. Of ours. There's no. T- <laughs> <laughs> but, no yeah, yeah. but often you'll go to shops and it'll be um, they'll just have the cover or something or a photocopy right. of it, or it'll be kept behind the counter because yeah, it just gets flogged. In fact, uh, even the library <laughs> copies um, at the university have gone. So right. yeah, that yeah yeah people, <laughs> people love stealing that book. Right, <laughs> that's great. Um, and so that that kind of introduced you to that whole world. Just describe maybe the first encounters that you had once you'd been given right. We're going to do this research, like. Was it what anything at all like what you'd expected? I was so or? unprepared. I was so 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 terribly ill-equipped. And and if I hadn't have told lies to the ethics committee, they would never have let me do it for a good reason. <laughs> right. Um. And that and the and the reason for that is it was a bit bloody hairy. Uh, because I was so green. I, it wasn't a world. It wasn't yeah. a world that I even had any business being anywhere near. Because yeah. I was so unfamiliar and, with it. And how old and so, were you at this time? Like early twenties? Yeah. 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 Um. Yeah. Uh, well, might have, I might have been mid twenties actually. Yeah. yeah. Okay. And um, still pretty young. <laughs> yeah, yeah, relatively. No, uh, well, it, the, the age was not as important, I think, as the, the just the, the the lack of the lack of any understanding whatsoever. I mean, it was terrible. But 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 it was. Um, and so you had to. I, I think back on some of the mistakes I made. Little things that people would be sort of th- that you could never have known. Um, right. Idiosyncrasies or, or whatever within the scene. So. Asking someone how big their gang is is a bit of a no-no because right. if the numbers are quite small, they don't want people to know because they might be a bit vulnerable or whatever. I so it's just, it's just not, it's not polite. Um, it's not polite um, if someone says they've just got out of jail. Say what were you in for? Because they might it might be something they don't want to say. That what the, so so you just yeah. don't ask that question. Just poor form, right? Well, yeah. but these are really obvious questions right. for someone who doesn't know. So I'm I'm blunder and make every mistake yeah. um, possible. And I'm you've got your checklist there. How many gang members have yeah, you got? Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I, you know, I made so many mistakes, but um, and 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 it didn't always go my own way. I had some terrible times in the scene, really, but um, a, a, a very small minority of times when the mm. wheels came off. But mm. um, but just slowly but surely, I I, I hung in there um, and garnered the trust of enough people that you know suddenly I was in this 
you know, suddenly I could, uh, yeah. Uh, suddenly and you were I talking, had it. And you were talking about like, years. To, to different, different gangs, gangs throughout yeah. the country I as was, well, right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, that's right. And um, that had its own problems um, because if they, if the gangs weren't friendly, for example, the Mongol Bomb Black Power, mm. if you stay with one one week and then one the next, they start to ask questions. What are you doing over there? What do you know? But I was, I was really quite surprised how accepting they were when I was very firm. Say, so, hey, I'm not talking about um, you to them, and so I won't be doing the, 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 you know, I won't be talking about them to you. Yeah. Um, and I was surprised at how often, how, how well that was accepted. But mm. it did get quite tricky sometimes when there'd been specific acts of violence that I was in and around. I see. Um, but. But by and large, that I, I managed to manage that okay. And because New Zealand's quite a big place, I would have my contacts of different groups and different try to have them in different places, if you mm. know what I mean. So, mm-hmm. so I could sort of go from one to the other. Mm. So, uh, in Christchurch, for a long time, there was just a couple of groups I associated with. In the end, I had quite a few, but I tried to keep it simple as possible that I wasn't jumping over fences. Mm. Um, mm. But yeah, but 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 these are just things that you you, you sort of learn along the way and. Um, and the the outcome, the the book itself is a a, a piece of work that I I'm, well, I'm very proud of. I think yeah. you know. I, I, um, and so everything seems easy now. You know, yeah. in hindsight, it's all easy. <laughs> but but gee, it was a it was a it was a tough old project. And there were tw- there was twice along that um, uh, along because it took about took about eight or ten years of my memory serves me eight years. Um, there was twice where I just thought about quitting and I didn't want to. Mm. I, I didn't think I could do it. it. It was such a big project, but um, yeah, I did, and you know, I'm pleased. You got through it, yeah. yeah. And just rewinding a bit um, back to university days, because um, we haven't mentioned yet the fact that we knew each other yeah. back at university. Um, can you just describe, I guess, your decision at that time? You know, this is going back, and what you were doing with UCSA, yeah. and then um, serving that body and yeah. that, like what why did you get involved in that and also tell people about what it is because yeah, not so, everyone so the, listening will know so, so the so the UCSA the University of Canterbury Students Association is a um is the basically it's the student union yeah um and at that time um it was compulsory unionism throughout all the students associations they're quite big organizations particularly mm. at Canterbury Canterbury I think the asset base was massive I think it was turning over about five million a year it was, yeah. it was a big organization it was a big number run yeah. by students and, and it, 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 it had built itself over the years through student Labour and work and, and and people chipping in. It owned it owned a bloody forest for God's sake. So mm. it, it, um, it had a very big building on the edge of campus. There with a couple of bars and things, as you know, Steve. Yeah. And 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 it actually, it all it all came about one day when a guy named Dave Taylor, a very good friend of mine at the time, he was a writer, and um, the canter. He said, "I would really like to be the canter editor, which is the Students Association yeah. magazine yeah. Uh, that the union ran." And I said, "Oh, that's interesting." I said, "Man, if you were the student." Um, editor and I was the student president man we'd, we'd rule this place and it was a joke you know it was like it was just a joke and, and we, right. were, we were drinking and it was a joke yeah. and then the next morning um, or the Monday or something and a couple of days later he came in with a nomination form and said man remember that conversation we had I'm oh. nominating you for student president and I, and I was kind of a little bit caught and I sort of thought because I'd never been involved in it before I yeah. didn't know anything I wasn't particularly popular on campus it wasn't like I had a huge group of friends or I was in a band that would make me known or anything I was yeah. just a bloke you know yeah yeah and I thought, oh God, this is. But with a with a, 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 a for, for whatever reason, a, a bunch of people, a good friend of mine, sort of got behind me and 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 we ran this big campaign and did things that nobody else sort of did, made big banners and, mm-hmm. and 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 sort of went to town. And and sure enough, um, 
we won, and which was our first yeah. meet. You know, in fact, to be honest, Stephen, I, you, you, I don't know if you'll remember this, but I remember actually first meeting because had yeah. posters Mo because it was That's Mo it. from The Simpsons. That's and it. I remember the very first bollard out <laughs> by engineering and going, um, and this, this was well, but this was student <laughs> politics, wasn't it? I really liked your poster and went, I'll definitely vote for you. <laughs> I know. <laughs> so that's that's, that, that's, that's how it sort of works. Yeah. But, but, I did, but, but, I did have some... a, but didn't we have a good team then? That that that, that year, you know, we yeah. I mean the year before we took over the, the varsity for yep. three days and and, yep. and, and you know and, and stole the, the vice chancellor's office. In fact the whole building, <laughs> you know, for three days. It, it was mm. a remarkably interesting time. Oh, it? for sure. Yeah, it's fun. Yeah, I mean, that was sort of 2000 time, wasn't it? That's right. Yeah. Um, it was 2000. Yeah, I, I remember meeting you the first time, too, and it was at a bullard. I think I was putting up yeah. one of my posters, and, and that was, I think you wandered up and said, oh, so that's, you know, that's who you Because like, you're right, I had vote Mo, the name you know, yeah. which was Mo from The Simpsons. Uh, I think you, and then I underneath, think you might have had a, did you have a picture of Mo? I think I did, yeah. yeah, yeah. And then underneath, I did have fine print saying, I am a da-da-da-da, you know, right. like, yeah. but you're right, I mean, student politics, and yeah, I got in as a exec member, and yeah, I had a year there with you, and yeah. yeah oh, they were, they were great days. times, and we were just saying before that the, the student building is being pulled down. I think of all of the buildings that have been knocked down in Christchurch after the quakes, that's mm. the only one that I kind of looked at it and went, oh, that's a bit sad because yeah, we had there's a lot of big memories in there. Yeah, yeah. Um, and big memories, I mean, I think, and you would have definitely, uh, oh, well, well, I asked the question, do you recall sort of feeling that you were part of mm. something? You know, because there were all those photos of the exec going back to 1880, yeah. whatever it was, yeah. um, and all those pictures on the wall, and we were sort of part of something. Yeah. You kind of felt responsible for a short while to, to, to look after this place and I then pass so. it on. You know, yeah. and so there was, there was something a really nice there, about that. Yeah. That's the word I'm looking for, yeah, actually. It, was yeah. a, it did feel like a legacy. And, yeah. and, and it was something we took probably far too serious in high, seriously yeah. in, high, in some ways you know yeah. like it seemed like the it seemed like the be all and end all <laughs> at the time important. didn't it do you know oh, what i mean and and but but what an amazing time it was i i, I wouldn't i wouldn't swap it for absolutely anything some of my fondest memories were yeah. from from back in those times yeah actually. yeah no that's right well that's why when i emailed you it was so cool that you came back right away like yeah let's have a chat because yeah. it, it for me too it was like a very i mean from yeah sort of early 20s mid 20s time it's it's a formative time of yeah, your life, isn't it? That's and right. Yeah. To be part of something that, like you say, had a couple million dollars budget, you know, yeah. and here we are talking about what we should do about this issue or that issue. Yeah. And, yeah. yeah it's that amazing was, yeah, time. That was fantastic. And there was always something to worry about or something to get upset about. Or, you know, it was, yeah, yeah it was great. I yeah. loved it. <laughs> so the work on the book, um, was that sort of after that time? Is that when yeah. you were doing that? Yeah. So, so the early the, 2000s? Yeah, after, or? Straight after that, actually. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'd love to talk a little bit more about um, some of the other things, just criminal justice system in New Zealand. Mm. Um, I know you've just um, been involved in editing a book yeah. uh, that came out recently, right? It was yeah, in, in the last year. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, do you want to just tell us a little bit about what sort of topics that covers? Well, because um, in fairly recent times, I think maybe three or four years ago, the university devised a criminal justice degree. Mm. Um, which I, I run the stage one component, and uh, quite unusually, I was quite surprised that um, there wasn't a book that covered all of the basics and all of the bases mm-hmm. of the criminal justice of criminal justice in New Zealand, where it comes from, what it looks like, what it does, demystify a few things, all of this. Um, and so I thought, well, that's madness. We're getting sort of little readings and bits and pieces from everywhere. Well, let's put a book together. So I. Um, with the with the incredible generosity from a number of people, I think altogether there were eighteen contributors wow. um, who came from 
not only within academia but within the criminal justice realm. Mm. So um, the superintendent of the police in Christchurch wrote a chapter on the police. Right. Um, a award-winning journalist wrote one on um, crime and, uh, justice in the in the media, uh, crimes reported in the media. So so it was a we've got this absolutely brilliant bunch of people mm. writing about topics that they are experts in, mm. and so. Um, it was one of those perfect situations where a lot of people did a lot of work and I did not necessarily much more than anyone else, but I managed to take a tremendous amount of credit for it. <laughs> <laughs> My name's on the cover, which is great with, with Greg. Um, and, yeah, and it's a, it's, I, I think, it's, again, I'm, I'm, I couldn't be more pleased with it. It's a, um, I think, yeah. a really important book and I think it'll be a, it's a, it's a terrific resource. Yeah, no, that's great. If people wanted a copy, where would be the best place to go? Um, Wickles, I think. Wickles? Yeah, I okay. think Wick- oh, oh, the university bookstores will have it, and, um, I th- and, and obviously you can buy it online and things as yeah, well. Yeah, yeah. And I'm just looking at a little overview of it. It says here, you know, the big questions. How can crime be explained? Is crime rising or falling? And if so, why? How do the police operate? How do the courts work? What's the link between crime and mental instability? I mean, there's many potential topics here. Yeah. Is there one in particular that you were focusing on for your chapter I wrote, or whatever? I wrote, I wrote a couple of chapters. I wrote one on um, justice and injustice mm. and one on underworld justice. So how what happens when you don't have a criminal justice system. Okay. So 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 what a criminals do, you know, and that's um uh, and I love that. But but for me, one of the most important and I think I think in some ways I it might sum up what the book does really mm. is it it takes things we think we know um, in, in, in most part, um, and examines that in ways that I think people would find surprising. And for me, the best part of it is this, because I'm also writing a book on murder at the moment, and, right. um, and one of the chapters is on crime rates. Greg wrote it. Now, I think people listening to this will be completely blown away to hear that the murder rate in New Zealand is dropping and dropping substantially. It has been since the peak in the 1990s. It went up from the 1940s, 50s, 60s, 70s. It, it increased, and mm-hmm. so ever since, it's been dropping. Um, and in really substantial ways, and, and, and this says something incredibly interesting and incredibly important, I think. Now, from 1985, um, for a 10-year period from 1985, there are 680 murders. In the last 10 years, there were around 500, just over 500. So that's a real drop in the number of murders in, in New Zealand that have happened. But but added to that, of course, over that time frame, the the population of New Zealand has increased substantially. So mm. on a per head of population basis, the crime rate is, uh, so the murder rate is nearly halved. Mm. Well, this actually fits, um, not intuitively, but with the data that crime rate itself is dropping since the 1990s. Now, most people perceive, and, we, and, and, and I'm not just guessing this, I know this from, um, the, from survey data, that most people believe that the crime rate in New Zealand is increasing. Only about 8% correctly identify that it's, it's decreasing. Mm. And the murder rate is an extremely good measure of that. And the reason for that is murders are a really good piece of data. Uh, some data will be um, able to be manipulated or misconstrued because of different policing techniques or different reporting, things like that. Murder is murder, so it's a really good measure. Right. And There's so when you see that decreasing benchmark. like that, it's a very good indicator that this isn't about reporting, this isn't about anything, this is a, a, a genuine indicator that the crime rate is dropping. Mm. Um, and the public, um, have, have, have their perception of that is just, is just dead wrong. And mm. this isn't actually just true of New Zealand, it's actually true of the Western world. Um, mm. Around the world, the, the, the crime rates are showing similar issues. But of course, um, dry facts... Um, are not as um, compelling 
interesting or memorable right. as as a front page headline about a murder yeah. that will stick in your or that will stick in your imagination for a long time. And mm. these are the things that drive our um, our understandings. And and that might be all well and good if that didn't then reflect the policies that we implement to try and solve these things. Mm. If we don't understand them well, it's very unlikely that we'll we'll get it right in dealing with them. Or um, we might not be putting the resources where they might be best served. You know? mm. So and, and and for me that 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 one. That one fact flows through to tell us a very, I think, a very interesting and important story, and I think that's what the book tends to do generally. Mm-hmm. It, it mm-hmm. tends to, to to look at these things, and and I think when you when most people finish it, um, they will be left with a completely different um, and far superior understanding of, of criminal justice in mm-hmm. New Zealand than before they started, it, and that's great. Yeah. Oh, perfect. I mean, it, it kind of comes back to the point we were making before about prisoners that there's a, a perception of the people yeah. that you're meeting there. Yeah. And um, you know, to dive a bit deeper and say, well, actually, what's really going on yeah. here? Well, we're we're reliant, aren't we? We we all are. I mean, I have no idea about accounting. I'm reliant on an accountant for that, mm. you know, and you rely on that they do it well. Yeah. Um, when it comes to crime matters, we're not, we don't tend to rely on the experts um, who who know and study it um, well, like an accountant. Um, we again, we get it from an intermediary. We get it from a media. Um, whose uh, objectives is not necessarily in line, or, or their understandings aren't, um, mm. and so yeah, we have to be very very careful. Mm. And and, uh, and and also, it's not just the media. I mean, I beat up on the media, but um, uh, but the politicians, um, you know, every three years will jump on a hobby horse around crime, which often isn't particularly useful as well, mm. um, because what works on the hustings um, and and what garners votes. Um, sometimes isn't what matches with best evidence, um, and when it comes when when there's a choice to be made between best evidence and votes, politicians will always choose the votes. Right. Um, that's just the nature of things. But if we had a, a slightly um, um, more informed public, um, then those types of issues don't become as serious because people see through them. Mm. I guess it's about taking a longer term view than just uh, the uh, next election uh, cycle of course, and things. You of know, course, the, that's a, that's that's a that's a that's a very big part of it. Yeah, yeah. The, yeah, yeah. Some of these issues that we're grappling with are intergenerational. Yeah. Not they're not a three year f- fix. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh. And just uh, the, the chapter that you mentioned that sounded quite interesting to me. Just thinking about um, the, the sort of the underworld. If there was no justice system, yep. what the alternative would be? Can you yeah. just explain? Uh, I realize it's difficult to no. summarize a whole chapter, yeah. but just some of the thoughts that are there. And yeah, behind. I think um, well, basically, what what it comes down to is the the, the in the underworld you forgo um, justice as we know it. If someone mm. harms you or I, Stephen, mm. we go to the police and then we go through the courts or whatever. There has a process there that will solve these or, or or tackle these issues for us. Yeah, the underworld say no, we don't. Narc in their terms. We don't. We don't speak to the police in any way, shape, or form. We certainly don't like, lay complaints. So what that means is that there's no means of mediating dispute. And if you've got no means of mediating dispute, violence tends to prevail because that's the one way you can get your um, justice. Mm. Um, and 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 when it becomes about violence, uh, it tends to be the strong that dominates the weak. And hence why the gangs have a big presence in the underworld because they have the strength, so they can then control it and so then they set the regulations so if you live in a if, if you live in a community that is dominated by one particular gang and you decide you want to start selling drugs and they find out about it well you're very likely to be robbed and of course you've got no 
come back to that. You can't go to the police and say I've had my drugs stolen. Yeah. <laughs> um, so so it has to be dealt with. Uh, it has to be dealt with in their way. Now what they may do is say, well, okay, well you just pass a fee for dealing drugs in our turf. Right. So suddenly you've got this system, mm. this regulatory <laughs> system that exists um, in, in, within the underworld, which is um, very much similar to how we do it. Um, but it just works on different rules. Yeah. So it's, fasc- it's deeply interesting. Yeah. It's, it's, it's yeah. No, it is fascinating that if there's a vacuum, what is it that emerges, right? Yeah. 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 And, and this is where um, I think we, in New Zealand, we tend to make gangs and drugs synonymous that, 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 that the, the, the gangs dominate the drug trade. The data, the data doesn't support that. There are numerous, and if you just look at, um, you can look at media representations and you'll find um, numerous examples of huge drug busts that aren't connected to gangs. Um, but we tend to remember the gangs well, because mm. that's the dominant sort of discourse. That's what we're constantly told. It's the gangs. Right. Um, but if you could, if you could incarcerate, execute, get rid of every gang member tomorrow, the drug economy would scarcely be affected um, because the demand is there. And where there's a demand, there will always be a, a supply. Mm. Um, the gangs he- tend to be quite heavily involved in the drug scene, of course. Um, dominate it, I'm not so sure. Um, but regardless, we need to decouple those, I think, and, and deal with a drug issue rather than a gang issue. Because right. you get rid of the gangs tomorrow and you still have the drug issue, you see. Mm. So, um, and, and again, this is, this is just a slightly more sophisticated thinking that, that, that we don't tend to, doesn't tend to play out in the, in the media. Mm. Yeah, no, that's good. So what are you involved in now? You're lecturing and, and talking to students as well, but I, I went online, so I was looking up some of the research that you're doing as well. Can you talk us through what that involves and yeah. what are some of the services that you're you know, offering as a group? Well, we've, I've set up a few things. I helped set up um, the Prison Information Service, which ran through the Howard League and Community Law. And so that was getting students to go out to prisons um, to ostensibly to help um, prisoners with minor issues that they have mm. that people can assist them with, but they just don't have the wherewithal or the mm. resources to, to do them th- themselves. Mm-hmm. And and I, and I sold that to the prison by saying, well, if you've got prisoners with issues and, it, and it's bugging them, then they're, they're not going to be easy to deal with. They're not in a place to rehabilitate. They, they might be in a place. They might be more inclined to be violent or get upset or whatever. So if we deal with these issues, then you've got better prisoners, right? So that's a sales pitch to them. Yeah. But for the university, for the students, and 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 just as importantly for me. It was opening those doors to those different environments, different mm. worlds that, that the middle class students don't tend to have any appreciation was whatsoever. So if you can just get them in there and give them a look, they're going to be far better for it, particularly if they're working in the criminal justice realm. It's almost vital. Right? Mm. So, so, we, so I did that. Um, I also established, a, uh, helped to establish, I certainly can't take all the credit, helped to establish uh, a group called the New Zealand Public Interest Project, which was looking at... Um, miscarriages of justice mm. and I'm very pleased to see that the current government the new government um, are bringing in a criminal cases review commission so that'll make that body mm. redundant so that that's terrific news mm. um, and the other one that I've just been involved setting up actually is a academic advisory committee for the Department of Corrections so um, a whole bunch of leading academics up and down New Zealand get together four times a year with the top executive of the Department of Corrections and we work together trying mm. to solve problems. So right. uh, it seemed mad to me, and, and don't get me wrong, I'm not taking all credit for this, Ray Smith from the, the chief executive of the Department of Corrections and I, um, he was, we, we had the idea and, and he, he was good enough to, to, um, to take it on board. Mm. Um, 
you know, we've got these academics looking at best practice. We've got people in the department actually practitioners trying to deal with these issues that we're sort of studying. Well, why on earth are we not doing that together to some degree? Right. You know, the academics can help monitor and research what the department's doing to lead it by best evidence. It can help blue skies thinking and, 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 and the like. Um, you know, we're all paid by the same taxpayer dollar. We've all got the same mm. goal. Um, that sort of cooperation, in my view, ought be happening more rather than one group working in a silo and doing some research and speaking to nobody and another group desperately trying to find yeah. the answers on the ground. I mean, why would we not get those groups together? So I'm, I'm, I think that's a, I think that's an incredibly good development and, and it's quite new. Um, it's been going for less than a year. Mm. Um, but I'm really happy to report that thus far um, it's it seems to be working remarkably well and I can only see that increasing. And if it does, I, I hope at least that it... Um, lends itself as, as perhaps something of a template that can work across a, a, mm. you know, a, a number of government agencies. Um, it's, so, yeah. it's so good not just to replicate what other people are doing or not be aware of other research, isn't it? Yeah, like, it's, uh, it's so easy to work yeah. in silos. It's so easy to work in silos within yeah. the university, let alone um, stretching outside of it. Yeah. So, no, I think... Yeah, I agree with you. I do um, quite a bit. Since I've come back to New Zealand about two years ago, I do a lot in the social enterprise area. So looking at businesses that operate for purpose rather than for profit, cool. or, or at least where purpose is the primary motivation. And it's quite interesting in that field to, to be talking with accountants or to be talking yep. with Akina who are leading the way in that area and charity services and you know try to get a variety of voices and understand what everybody's perspective is rather than saying well you know this is the only way yeah well, 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 <laughs> so. well the thing is we can often end up um just talking to those that agree with us because yeah. if, if they're in our realm yeah um and so we're never challenged and we're never challenging anybody else well yeah. that's a you know you, you, that's there's not a way to get there, ahead there? yeah there yeah, is yeah, yeah. Um, and, and you can become a silo it becomes an echo chamber and yeah that's in nobody's interests we ought be um you know having being challenged you wouldn't get defensive about that. You should be excited by it. Yeah. If your if your arguments are good enough, they will stand up and and, and yeah. you win it. If they're not, when, then your arguments need to be changed. Yeah. There's no shame in that. Yeah. That you know, change your mind. Um, yeah. you know, I, I you know reserve the right to change my opinion and um, you know, in the face of superior evidence. Well, that's is, right. Yeah, which you is got a quote I've stolen from somewhere, but I absolutely love it. But um, <laughs> but I, but I, but I've always loved it. And um, yeah, we shouldn't be afraid of being wrong or changing our opinions. Yeah. Often you can get. If, if you've got the wrong attitude, you, get, you just back yourself into a corner fighting yeah. a fighting a position. Well, Why? I think it's well just searching for the common ground as well. Like particularly, I mean, these days in yes. like uh, politics generally around the world, but particularly America as an example, yes. you get this polarization where yeah. the one side says one thing, the other side immediately disagrees simply because the other side yeah. said it. Yeah. If one of their own people had said it, maybe they would have said, "Brilliant! It's that's, a madness. That's a great. It's idea. a madness." But the ability to talk, to have a, like we're having yep. a conversation, we're exchanging ideas, not just to have running monologue, monologue, yep. monologue. Um, yep. And I think putting out ideas, like I write a, a couple articles from time to time and getting feedback on those, it, somebody says, actually, I don't agree with the, what you've said. That actually shapes the next article because it's, you know, there's some yep. back and forth. Otherwise, like we're kind of saying, you're just talking to yourself. And yep. then of course you're going to agree with what you already think so yeah that's exactly yeah it's important right. to have that um th in this podcast we talk about purpose and i'm just wondering how do you feel about that word and what you're doing now um what does purpose mean for you i guess i think and and, and i've got to be careful because I, I don't want to look like i'm criticizing others the 
there there are a lot of academics who will study quite esoteric things and and just talk to themselves. I'm not. There's absolutely nothing wrong with that. Mm. Um, but for me personally, a purpose. If someone, if only three people read my book, I wouldn't be one of those people who said, "Well, if it changed three people's lives, I'd be happy." No, no, no. I want, I want ten thousand, I want hundred thousand. <laughs> I want, I, I, yeah. I, I, I want to communicate. I mean, for, for starters, um, I, I get a taxpayer salary. The university pays. You know, the, the university is funded largely mm. um, through 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 taxes. Mm. Actually, there's a fair bit from elsewhere, but mm-hmm. but 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 to make a point, I think I've got an obligation, therefore, to the public. Um, to speak to them, to tell them what I'm doing, and and and, I'm, and 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 it just so happens that what I'm interested in doing is is, is practical research that that that, mm. that 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 will look to solve some problems or to improve outcomes. Um, and so for me, that idea of purpose um, for me is um, is trying to exact a, a certain change. And and you run the risk of sounding a little bit arrogant there, perhaps, or or whatever. But for me. I, 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 I just said it is incredibly important um, to reach out um, and try as best you can to to do something positive. Mm. Uh, I, I think, and um, and you know, sometimes I'll, I won't. Fa- uh, sometimes I'll fail. Um, sometimes I'll get it wrong. Um, but those times when you kind of get it right and you sort of think you can see some influence, then yeah. then that's a, you know, I think that's a great thing. That's, yeah. Yeah, I think, well, I feel similarly in, in with this podcast. You know, I've had people come up later and say that particular episode helps me because I'm making a decision a little bit like what we talked about at the beginning, that person who spoke into your life, you know, and yeah. maybe some of these things. That's why I called it seeds, the idea that the conversation can be seeds for people that they can grow cool. into something. That well, I hope never... people come up to you and say they like this one. I'm, like, <laughs> I'm very sure disappointed. They <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, we've got a good standard here. And I love some of the headings, you know, I googled your name you know some of these articles rich should pay bigger speeding fines um, well that was that, well that was an interesting one because yeah. that heading wasn't actually mine um that right. was written by the press but the but the, the the article itself was looking at um how the impact of fines um speeding fines on people with on very low incomes are very very yep. different obviously those on high incomes and then you looked at scan, how certain countries deal with that um yep. but 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 of all of the things i've written I, one i did i, I it was giving some criticism to climate change deniers. I got some unbelievable feedback um, and abuse from that. But <laughs> right. that one there, apart, apart from that, that one on fines, which I thought was just a sort of fairly gentle piece, um, man, that rubbed people up the wrong way. Oh, they, did it? Yeah, they, yeah they, <laughs> I mean, a lot of people agreed, and they're, and they're very generous, but, 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 but what you tend to find when you write for the public is yeah. um, when people it agree with you... brings out everyone, well, right? Well, when people agree with you that they, they don't tend to feel moved to pick up a pen sometimes they do actually yeah, um, yeah. and that's very kind but 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 often it's when you rub people up the wrong way they do feel more inclined to pick yeah. up a pen and so yeah you cop it oh, but but i quite like it i i'm never too fussed by it i think you it used to bother it. it used yeah. to bother me a bit but if someone takes the time to ring me up particularly those that call me um and speak to me on the phone um and and tell me why i'm an absolute idiot i mean good on them they've made an effort you yeah, know <laughs> i yeah. think fair play to them you know as long as they're polite i'm pretty happy yeah oh that's good no, I like the tone of the article. You know, in 1774, Montesquieu scratched his chin, wondering, cannot pecuniary penalties be proportionate to fortunes? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I have no idea if he scratched his chin, but I'm thinking he probably did. <laughs> no, I think it's good. Yeah, that's your um, I, well, yeah, well, that I, English I, creative writing coming out. Yeah, well, right? I, I, wrote, I, wrote that, I wrote regularly for the New Zealand Herald, yeah. um, which and being for the Herald is actually in some ways quite a, quite a good thing because it's an Auckland-based paper. Yeah. Um, 
it's sort of I think it's more read up there, obviously, than it than it is down here. So yeah. you can uh, you're a bit kind of divorced from it. Get in some away ways with as well. it a yeah, bit. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, but but I, I love it. I, I'm I'm incredibly grateful for the Herald, um, for the opportunity because I, I thoroughly enjoy writing those pieces. One because um to write for that broader audience is um a bit of a skill and you've got to hone it. You know, yeah. you, you you can't let yourself and between books is a long time not to write, so it's a practice right. to, to practice writing. And also, um, I pick topics that interest me and I learn about them as I go. So mm. uh, you know, yeah, I, they're a they're a blessing to me. I I, I love those. Um yeah. I, I love writing those columns. I That's I hope some people enjoy reading them. Yeah. yeah. I've been writing some for a spin off magazine. Oh right, yeah, no so, spin off. Yeah, yeah so I, I did the latest well. the latest one I did was on space law and exponential technologies and just looking at that. And like you say, it caused me to be able to dive a bit deeper and go, oh, that's an interesting topic. Yeah. But how to express it, how to come up with a heading that's interesting, you know, to grab well, the, attention. Is the, I must confess that the Herald write my headings and sometimes yeah. they, um, because they, they need people to click on them and sometimes oh, I know. they get yeah. them wrong. And, I, and, and, and sometimes it does give me, cause me a bit of strife, but by and large, I figure, you know, the good I know. and the bad, I just I, leave it, let it go. That happened to me last year as well it, with a different publication. And I thought, uh, I don't really like that heading, but yeah, maybe so for, for, for somebody knows some so more than I. <laughs> so for listeners, if you if you read a heading, it's never the author that writes. Yeah, that's it's right. The paper. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Well, it's been a pleasure to talk with you. I really appreciate it, and um, I've thoroughly enjoyed it, Stephen. Yeah. Thank you for the opportunity. Yeah. No, no problem at all. And I think we've gone pretty deep in a number of different areas as well. I'd love to hear about that. You know where you've come from, but then I think the key thing that stood out for me was that influence that somebody had in your life at a young age to steer yeah. you on a course that's now led you to you know writing a book about gangs in New Zealand you know you probably would never yeah, have picked guess, that yeah. when you were 18 years old and yeah. I think often in life it's like that 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 there are these opportunities and well, that question one of my hopes for this is that by listening to other people's stories people will become curious about the paths that are opening up in their own lives and that maybe there'll be something that they can go down and push and see, well, maybe I can try it. And so hearing your story, you know, maybe help will help other people oh, as well. I hope so. so yeah, yeah. So yeah, but I can tell there's plenty of other topics that we could have talked on. So maybe we'll have a part two someday and yeah, I'll dive enjoy a bit that. deeper. Yeah. Cool. So thank you. Thanks so much, Steve. Great. Cheers, man. Well, I hope you enjoyed listening to Jared share his thoughts about the criminal justice system and so many other topics. On next week's show, we're going to be speaking with Nigel Cottle, who's one of the co-founders of Crave Cafe in Auckland. Here's an excerpt of the interview with him. Over the years, we've made not much money because it's really hard to make money. So I say we've focused on not making a loss, but it's it's been hard in some years to not make a loss, um, and, and and we've had to really um, learn a bit. You know, so I'm reasonably business. I'm entrepreneurial and. Um, and, and try things. And I've got a business degree, so there's some things that are set up that, yeah, it, um, it should be okay. Uh, but it's still tough. So when we moved across the road to the new cafe, it was. So the lesson we learnt was, uh, success can be catastrophic. We have a really fascinating conversation about what it is to be a social enterprise cafe, and I hope you can join me for that. Until next time. Mm-hmm.